Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the best of breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. Brandy is so excited for the season to start tomorrow. He just needed to relax and have an RDO today. So the missile, James Magnuson, was in with me today and we reflected on the remarkable test match finish in New Zealand yesterday and the cricket beginning today in India, plus the latest on NRL with only one sleep to go to kick off. One more sleep, just one more sleep in the NRL season for 2023 kicks off. Welcome to Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. Scrub Brandy, 17-man game, put in James Magnuson. The missile looking big, walking tall, but then the ups and downs of rugby league. You're a Bulldogs man and you see the vision yesterday. Luke Thompson injured at training and now out for the better part of the season. James, oh boy, it's mm. not a sign, is it, for the doggies? Not a sign? Look, I, this is an exclusive. I did field a call from Cameron Serraldo yesterday. He's asked me if I will wear the number 17 for the Bulldogs this season. So I'm just juggling whether I can I can fit that in with my other commitments here at SEN, at Tribe Gym. Uh, stay tuned on that one. Right, so James had a big night on the drink. So uh, there you go, so he's hallucinating. He's had a call from Cameron Serraldo. It, it was just a call centre from somewhere. No, it wasn't Cameron Serraldo. No, it's, it's terrible yeah. news. I mean, and there's been so many, um, you know, not necessarily all massively high-flying fo- players. I mean, um, Dean Eremia at, uh, at Melbourne last week, knee reconstruction, you know, from the last trial. Mm. There's a number of players already Taylor going May. to... Taylor Make, um, Young Dykes down at Cronulla, they're gone for the year. You know, like uh, it's it must be incredibly disappointing. You put all that work in in the off season, then in the last two weeks before the season proper kicks off, uh, the injuries happen. It's a it's a foot injury of some kind, um, foot ankle surgery required. Not good at all for Luke Thompson. That's where we start this morning, but. Uh, rugby league isn't the only story today. In fact, um, Ian Smith from SENZ, we love having Smithy on the program. Uh, New Zealand cricketing great. He'll be on because really, I think all sports fans, not just cricket fans, still um, basking in the glory of one of the great sporting events. Uh, the, the test match yesterday, New Zealand and England, and a one-run victory to the Kiwis. Now, James, I know you're not necessarily the biggest cricket fan in the world, but an appreciation for the magnitude of this when we talk about the number of test matches played um, all time. I mean, we're talking you know, two and a half thousand test matches and 150 years, and we have a one-run victory for, what, only the second time and, and, what, only the fourth time that a team forced to follow on has come up with a win. It's an extraordinary feat. Crazy statistics there, Vossi. I think for me, it's a case of the two teams I love to hate. Which one do I hate more? Mm, probably uh, England. So it's a, <laughs> it's a success for our, uh, our friends across the ditch. Crazy statistic, though. In over 2,000 test matches, four teams ever, ever mm. have done it. New Zealand become one of those. Just an amazing victory, that one. Well, well the, the fact of the matter is um, the teams that had lost 
having enforced the follow-on the three previous times was Australia. It's nice to be joined by someone else. <laughs> England have now lost a test. They join Australia's record. We were the only ones that had ever uh, done that. But it was just absolute pandemonium. Now, something I will say with Smithy, and, and to our listeners now, I'm pretty sure you would have digested all that happened. But what proved to be the penultimate ball from Wagner to James Anderson, I'm calling it a wide. Ooh. I'm thinking this should have been a tied test. I mean, it was it was. Um, if if look, I need I need an umpire out there, and there'll be someone out there that can quote the rule book to me. But if a wide is a ball that you can't play with a normal stance, well, it's a wide. It was high, wide, and handsome down leg side, mm. and the umpire, I, I think, would have to know what the state of play is. That if he puts the arms out wide, scores would be, then be level. Well, I think he should have put his arms out and score should have been level. I, I think the second last ball, as it proved to be, before James Anderson tickled one down the leg side, was a wide. We would have had another genuine tied test. What do you think about that on the Hello Moto? Motorola open line 1300 01 1170, text 0457 736 736. If you haven't seen it, chase it up now. Have a look at the ball and you let us know is that a wide? I'm saying it was a wide. Shouldn't have been a win by one. Scores should have been tied going into that ball that Anderson got out. James, is that a controversial way to start? It's very controversial, yeah. Vossi. Do you think with this McMullen ball, we're going to see more close finishes like this? I think this is the way test cricket's got to be played. It's exciting to watch. The scores are higher. The the run rate's faster. It's It's got to be the way forward for test cricket. Oh, well, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Ashes already. I mean, this Harry Brook, who got player of the series, by the way, the Englishman, who got that yeah. um, magnificent 186 in the first innings. He, you know, he scores at such an incredible rate. Um, great to watch. I think you'd have to think a rest in peace, the follow-on. I mean, I, I don't know what... Like, we, it's, rarely, um, it's rarely put into practice these days that teams are forced to follow on. Normally, if a team has a lead, they go back into bat and make you know the opposition then chase 500. This might be the last time you see a team forced to follow on, unless it was absolutely, you know, like team made 450 and you rolled the side for 86, you might send them mm-hmm. back in. Um, but I don't think you're going to see um, the follow-on um, too relevant in the modern game. It might be, it might now be done and dusted. But love to hear the listeners' thoughts on it. one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. text 0457 736 736. In fact, can anyone with a Kiwi accent, Jace, he's out there, former... Caller of the month, Jace. Have we got many listeners with Kiwi accents? I think you're entitled to come on, and even if you don't have one, bung one on this morning and talk about your, uh, dare I say, New Zealand roots and your heritage. Being that you may have some New Zealand bloodline, um, that if you're a Kiwi, come on the, come on the show this morning and gloat, gloat. Yes, I think it's, uh, I think it's appropriate. It's pretty extraordinary, and we'll have Ian Smith on the program now. Um, back to rugby league. Uh, oh, no, so, sorry, we should probably stay on cricket because, <laughs> just a reminder, we, we're so taken up by that. The third test begins today, Australia and India, James. Yeah. I've kind of lost interest crash? now, Bossy. Yeah, I've kind of <laughs> oh, yeah. lost interest. The the series is over as far as the Border Gavaskar trophy. Mm. Pat Cummins isn't going to be there. I don't know. It's It's hard to be enthusiastic about it, particularly with rugby league starting. It's just taking up all my bandwidth. I can't. I can't be focusing on cricket. I can't. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you've got to. You have to see, surely, things get better. Like, 
what? How will social media handle if the first Australian gets out sweeping? Uh, oh. If we bat and 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 the, and the sweep is uh, maintained in this third test. By the way, the SN coverage will start from two thirty Sydney time uh, this afternoon. So what's that in Queensland to our Queenslanders right now? One thirty uh, your time. We do have the captain's run on today uh, on SEN. Um, that is uh, Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp. But, uh, yes, the coverage of the cricket on SEN. On the sweep, Steve Smith takes over as captain um, uh, today with Pat Cummins not there. And, and Steve Simmons as, uh, Steve Smith as captain averages 67.33 with a bat. There's a, as captain, that is his average. He has spoken with SEN about the use of the sweep shot. I think we need to listen. Where do you sit with the sweep shot? Not just for you, but just overall. I wouldn't say putting it away. I'm... There's probably the right and wrong time to, to play it. And the other day um, was probably the wrong time. I, I don't think in my 94 or 95 tests that I've played, I've, I've walked off the field and I've actually just gone, what, what were you thinking there? Like, what, what was your game plan? Um, so I was disappointed with that aspect. But, um, you know, I'm still learning as well. I've played a lot of cricket. But I've, I've swept Ashwin in the past. I swept him in Pune um, on a few occasions when I scored a second innings 100 there. So... Yeah, maybe I was thinking too much about that rather than, than playing what was in front of me. Um, but that can happen, and yeah, I'll learn from it. Sounds like the door's still open for the sweep. <laughs> can I just say, as far as, as far as the sweep goes, put the broom in the cleaning closet, lock the door, throw away the keys, it's done. The right. sweep is well, done. If, <laughs> well, if the ball's keeping low, yes, obviously. I, I still don't know. There's the same um, uh, the same wording was used by McDonald, Andrew McDonald, the uh, coach. They use probably the wrong time. Like, uh, we probably didn't get it right. Why can't you just come out and say, we didn't get it bloody right? Like, what? we probably didn't get it right. We we probably did, it was the wrong time. No, no, no. It was it was the wrong time. Emphatically so. Some of his well, interviews are quite frustrating. Andrew McDonald is uh, is mm. very politically correct with his answers. He, he's, yes. Yeah, he sounds like he's running for government. Yes, yes. All right. So, if you've got any words of encouragement, if you were there to, um, we we did throw it out at our listeners. If you go into the dressing room, um, Greg Bellamy style, uh, I think he got the number one vote. Gordon Ramsay got a vote to be in the dressing room. If you could address the Australian cricket team before the start of play. In the third test, what would you say? Um, let us know. Now we go back to rugby league. Uh, Dylan Napa, um, we're told the Roosters throwing him in the lifeline after things came to end uh, in uh, Catalans. Uh, Teamless Tuesday, gee, it was exciting. Everyone, everyone oh, was, was waiting pumped. for it. Yeah. Bam! I'm listening to to uh, Joel and Fletch, and bam! It hits four straight out of the news. The boys, it was like Christmas, and to hear the thoughts of Gibbo and Brooksy, the way they share it around, commenting all the teams. I mean, I could have listened all afternoon to the boys. It was just wonderful stuff. Hearing the lineups for the first time, and you know, getting your teeth into it, then and then listening to Matty Rogers and and Scott Sattler um, on Sports Day talking about the teams. Anthony Milford's a story, isn't he, at the Dolphins? Big time. Um, you don't make their first. You're like he's a he's a star signing, and he's not there for game one. And it has nothing to do with injury. What does that say about Anthony Milford? Yeah, well, Braith and Asta had a fair crack last night on 360. Jesse Bromwich was pretty scathing in, in his comments about Anthony Milford, the, the same as Wayne Bennett. It really surprises me, Vossi, the amount of training these guys do, the amount of experts they have in and around a club when it comes to diet and nutrition, strength and conditioning, sports science, all those things. 
to turn up after a full preseason out of shape and unfit, I just, I can't get my head around it. I, I don't know how it happens. And as a new franchise, you the type of players that the Dolphins have signed, right, are guys that set high standards at their clubs. They're obviously hard trainers, hard workers, both on and off the field. Anthony Milford doesn't quite fit the mould when you look at, you know, the Bromwich brothers, Felice Cafusi, all these players that they've signed to be leaders of the club. And then you, you look on the other side of, of the page and you've got Anthony Milford, who's mm. he's kind of been known for it throughout his career, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he, yeah, he can be a great player. I, I know it's getting on, but the 2015 grand final, he was the best player. On the big stage. It I know was. they lost yep. the Broncos, but he was the best player on the field. Should have got the Clive Churchill medal. Um, we'll read you Wayne Bennett's quote from the Courier-Mail a little later in the program. We'll also explore uh, more the Sydney Morning Herald poll results. Um, just one I will throw at you. If the NRL introduces an 18th team, where would you want it based? Perth, resounding uh, favourite from the voting, 44%. PNG next 16%, Wellington and New Zealand 12%. So Perth, um, certainly the favourite running. Do you agree with that, James? 18th club? Um, you know, we're not sure when that will be, but 18th Oof. club, do you want Perth? Do you want uh, Adelaide? Do you want a PNG? Do you want another New Zealand team? Is there anywhere else we should be looking? I like the Central yeah. Coast. I think, yeah, I think the Central Coast could do it. Perth, Perth would be fun for a boys' trip. I think that's why guys are voting. It's a weekend away from the misses when your team <laughs> plays in Perth. It's the chairman and CEO that are voting <laughs> on that. Okay. And also, do you believe Eddie Jones and Rugby Australia represent a threat to the NRL? No. 80%, yes, 20%. So if they want to come and, and raid, they can. Anyway, go to the phones. I'm pretty sure you want to... Uh, uh, have a real crack at some of our topics today. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Your level of optimism. We'll carry on that topic from yesterday, uh, yesterday about your team in the NRL. James Magnuson filling in for Brandy today. You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. This morning with James Magnuson in the co-host chair. And we caught up with SENZ host New Zealand cricket legend Ian Smith to get his thoughts on the amazing finish in the cricket across the ditch yesterday. Now, I'm currently... This is a text... Uh, from uh, Mike from Brisbane. I'm currently holidaying in New Zealand and went to a bar last night in Wellington um, talking to other drinkers in the bar. You would think they'd won the World Cup. Test cricket was the only topic of conversation. Great news for Test cricket. Mike from Brisbane, currently in Wellington. Great text, uh, Mike, that will lead into our next guest. Also, this one on the New Zealand-England test. It's great for Test cricket, but we have to call it England's decision to enforce the follow-on was a very bad decision. They were only 226 runs ahead, not 426, with their aggressive batting, plenty of time to bat again. Well, let's get the thoughts of an absolute expert. He is one of the stars, if not the star, of SENZ, our brothers, our sisters across the ditch, Mr Ian Smith, on the program. Good morning, Smithy. Vossi, uh, this is like um, I, I do this uh, little interview with you. I'm still about 600 behind. I owe you so much, man. Uh, <laughs> now, you have lived a life in cricket. You have lived yep. and breathed it. Have you experienced or seen the like of the pandemonium of yesterday previously? I don't think so. I mean, I recall, remember years and years ago, we couldn't get Mike Whitney out in the last over. Uh, that that was uh, there was a lot of drama around about that at, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, but uh, you know, all only one result was possible, and that was us winning basically, or the draw. But yesterday, of course, every result was still on the table, including the tie. 
um, which is such a rare thing. I mean, the drama, I think it's harder watching than it, than it is when you've, you've been, you're actually out there in it. You don't, you, you feel you've still got to do your job. You don't quite get the sense because you might be a part of it. We're going to talk to Tom Blundell on our show in about an hour. Uh, of course, he was the keeper that took the catch. Uh, about the drama that he felt. Uh, but honestly, we needed it. New Zealand needed that result. Uh, we needed a test match like that. And it just emphasises the fact that, um, you know, a, gr- a great game of test cricket you'll talk about a long, long time after you'll talk about a great game of white ball cricket. Ian, Brendan McCollum's been a revelation coaching the English team. Uh, he's got very aggressive tactics. Do you think... This is, this is the way forward for Test Cricket. Another super exciting match, high scoring, fast run rate. It, it just seems like a much better spectacle. Oh, look, it just is. It, it, it is for me anyway. I'm old too. I'll tell you, I just absolutely loved every second of the, the attitude that Brendan McCullum's team's got. Look, they're going to fall um, on their butts every now and then because you just can cannot continue to try and score at five or six and over. Every now and then they're going to come up against a bowling attack, and I predict they will in the Ashes, that isn't going to let them score like that every day. Uh, and they'll fall in a heap. Uh, but Brendan McCullum's philosophy is quite simple. It was the same when he was a white ball captain. Uh, he reinvented 50-over cricket because he didn't want to waste one delivery. You know, his theory was, look, we're out here, let's have some fun, and let's, every delivery, let's make it count. Well, Test cricket's the same, you know, uh, in terms of the way Brendan wants to play it. It's so hard. It's so hard to, to continue that kind of attitude for such a long period of time but uh, Brennan can do it uh, Stokes has bought into it and England have bought into it and they're having a hell of a lot of fun and look, uh, they'll feel a bit down about yesterday, it could have been another test win for them would have made them what, uh, 10 out of 11 or 11 out of 12 uh, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, because of the way they're playing, they'll know they'll get another chance We need to draw on your expert opinion, Ian Smith, our special guest New Zealand test cricket great um, the follow on the follow on, is it dead? Like, you, you don't see it very often. Uh, we've had a, a, a caller text in just before we put you to air, Smithy, saying it was a poor decision. You know, you, you've got to be 400 in front, not 226. Do you think the follow-on is dead? I don't think it's follow-on's dead at all, no. I, I don't. Um, I, I, I think Brendan thought that New Zealand were that down on confidence with their batting. Uh, he'd get one or two early uh, with his fresh old bowlers, if you get my drift, with Anderson and Broad. I think they thought they probably would strike that and envisage uh, for one second that New Zealand would put on 149 for the first wicket at the second innings. Now, you know, you don't think that because they, they don't think that way, England. They, they're not cautious anymore. You know, they just think, well, we'll get some wickets. So let's have the follow. We can finish this in a day and a bit, um, you know, and it, it backfired on them. Way. But if you ask Brendan today, if you, you know, or you ask Ben Stokes today whether they thought they did the, right, uh, the wrong thing, they might say, well, the score might reflect that, but at the time we didn't think so, and, you know, we could have won the test. It's just that refreshing attitude. I don't think it's dead, Bossy. The only thing I will factor into this, you got a, 40 guy, a 41-year-old in July, Jimmy Anderson. Okay, he's legendary. He's been absolutely freakish. Uh, and Stuart Broad, I think, 37, 38. That's nearly 80 years of age in those <laughs> legs. <laughs> That's a... You know, when you ask them to go out and do it all again, uh, you don't really expect that you're going to be in the field for another day and a half, and uh, maybe a little bit longer. But, you know, that was the enthralling, uh, the enthralling part of it. You know, and you look back at moments, you look back at moments, you look back at decisions in any game of Test cricket. Uh, but the only moment that really counted was uh, Court Blundell, Bowl Wagner, one short England. <laughs> Tough pickies. Yeah. Oh, what about the second last ball, Smithy? Right, so I'm calling it a wide. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, and, and maybe circumstances different. It's called a wide nine times out of ten. Would did you think it was a wide? I mean, it was, I, I called it high, wide, and handsome down well, league side. High, wide, and handsome. There's a gentleman by the name of Rod Tucker standing in this test match. Now you'd know Rod Tucker, yeah, because yep. he's one of yours. So I mean, yeah. I, I, hey, and who am I? Who am I, Vossi, mm. uh, gentleman in particular? Who am I to, as a New Zealand cricketer, to ever doubt the validity and the judgment of an Australian cricket umpire? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> was it a wide, Smithy? Was yeah. it a wide? Just quite. I think it was. it was. It was wide. Tied test. Might have been tied a tie. Test. A tied yeah. test, Vossi. Yes. I've got a question for you, Ian. So when. Uh, New Zealand and Australia, huge rivalry. England and Australia, huge rivalry. When the two play each other, most of us here in Australia go for New Zealand. If England was playing Australia in the Test, oh, let's say let's say the Ashes. Who do New Zealanders uh, root for when when Australia plays England? Right, uh, I think England. I, I think England. Um, I think uh, I'd say seven out of ten England. Seven out of ten England. If you went down the uh, you win and set, uh, because I, I think we've got a closer affinity to England, and it's because you know, you've treated us, you treated us like little brothers for so long in Test cricket. Oh, I mean, it's time you moved on from the underarm it's incident, only, Smithy. It's, it's good. time you moved on. No, it's over I'm not even years. talking. Bossy, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that for years you'd sent your B team over here because we weren't good enough. Then you let us go and play our full team in your Gillette Cup for years, Bossy. This is before you were born, having said that. Uh, but uh, So I'm not blaming you for this one. But here's, it's just this ingrained sort of attitude. Uh, myself personally, of course, uh, having spent a little bit of time in the Fox commentary box uh, this season and the SEN commentary team, I, of course, Australia. I, I want Australia to win. Okay, there's a few texts here. I'll throw them at you, Smithy, just while you're on. Um, this one, morning, Cuzzy bros. I'm a Kiwi <laughs> by marriage, so I'm happy as bro. It's choice. Emptied my chelly bin last night before bed. Uh, there's a text <laughs> for you, Smithy. Um, this one, God, you would think the Kiwis won the America's Cup. Um, oh, so, we have done that. That is ours. Yeah, we have done. You've done that yeah. a few times. Uh, yeah. This one, boys, do the impossible. Try and find a Kiwi that actually lives in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, <there's... laughs> <laughs> We've got a great text slide here, Smitty. We, we yeah, really and... do have a, a one. This one. I've never been to New Zealand, but I once had a Kiwi friend visit our family home when I was a kid and I ate Kiwi fruit. Gee, it's great to be a Kiwi after yesterday's result over England. So some are hopping on your, uh, <laughs> on your bus, bus so, this morning, Smitty. Yes. Now, would you like to re-ask me the question about who we'd, we'd really like to win between Australia and England? <laughs> nah, you can stick it in your pipe and smoke it, Smitty, to be quite honest, mate. <laughs> Hey, go the Warriors. You have a great show today. I mean, but oh, seriously, as a sports fan, um, yeah. doesn't get much better. And your first comment was so pertinent, so true, that that finish, doesn't matter how many, you know, last ball games you have in a white ball game, shortened form of the game, nothing beats Test cricket, The, the how good yesterday was. Nothing. It is nothing uh, pu- it. It's the purest form of the game. And when you see a result like that, as I said, uh, they'll be talking about that round coffee machines and bars in uh, New Zealand uh, for a long, long time. And even in England, they'll be disappointed, but not disappointed in the way they're playing. And they know they've got the hell of a series coming up, the Ashes. I can't wait. Good on you, Smithy. Thank you for coming on the program. Cheers, gentlemen. Have a great remainder of your show. And I'll start mine shortly. Yeah, good on you guys. 
You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy this morning with James Magnuson, and with just one sleep to go until the NRL season starts, we spoke with David Riccio from the Daily Telegraph to give us the latest NRL headlines. And now on Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy, the back page with David Riccio. Morning, Dave. Good to see you back on our TV screens last night as well. Looking dandy, fine and dandy after a summer off-season. Thanks, Missile. Yes, good morning, Vossie. No, it was uh, good to be back on 360, uh, diving into the deep issues ahead of round one. Uh, should be another massive season, both on and off the field. That's rugby league, baby. First up, we got Dylan <laughs> Napper, big papa. He's back. Yeah, well, this one caught, sort of came left field, didn't it, guys? Dylan Napper hasn't played in the NRL since 2021, uh, left the Missile's team, the Doggies. Um you know, coming off the bench at that stage when, when he finished up at the Dogs and he was on a huge contract, uh, went over to Catalan. And the basis of his... He, he was actually released and paid out his contract from Catalan, which made the Roosters uh, go down the path of picking him up as a depth forward uh, for, for next to nothing, guys. Because as I said, Napa's being paid by Catalan, so the Roosters don't have to chip in hardly anything at all. It's a... It's a second-tier contractor. I understand it's around 20 grand plus match payments. So if he if he does eventually play first grade, he'll pick up a match payment uh, for every NRL game he plays. But uh, it's certainly an interesting one. I understand there were a couple of other clubs keeping an eye on it as, on it as well, and it was ultimately Trent Robinson that said, "Look, if." Uh, if all hell breaks loose and we lose, you know, a, 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 a large majority of our middle forwards, we just might need a big body. And Dylan, having known the club and Trent Robinson, uh, they picked him up. Do you think he will play in the NRL? I, I, I thought in those trials, a couple of those young Roosters players that came on second half of, in both games were, but the depth there seems to be outstanding. Mm, yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, again, how do you predict uh, what your injury toll may look like? Um, talking to you know a, a couple of other clubs that had been considering it, um, they spoke of just being... Just, there, there isn't a lot of big bodies. Uh, there's a lot of small mobile forwards uh, in today's games, but having that bigger body, which Dylan is, he's a big man. Um, in the middle, um, and also having that experience, uh, it, it did it did perk their interest as well. And I understand that's what, certainly what Trent Robinson likes in Dylan, that big body and, and having that experience. But uh, look, they're going to have to eat into their depth before Dylan gets a run miss. So that's the that's the cold hard truth of it. Interestingly, guys, just a little side note: Josh Mansell, uh, his yeah. footy career isn't over. Uh, he's picked up a contract with the Newtown Jets now. If you want to start to talk about depth and, and how, how deep is the well, the Newtown Jets are the Cronulla Sharks feeder club. So if all hell broke loose there as far as injuries on their on their wings are concerned, we just may see Josh Mantor pop up back in the NRL. Saw him post the photo in the Newtown jersey. I've I, I got to say, um, it's totally off, off the topic, but when I see a Newtown jersey and I see, New, and I see Paramount shirts on, it makes me smile. Makes me feel good. Yeah. Well, I love the Newtown jersey, yeah. David. And to see Josh sporting yeah, no, the Newtown jersey, and he's standing in front of the grandstand there. You know you're a rugby league fan when that makes you feel good. Newtown. Yeah. 
How good. Love their stuff. Josh Mansell, all the best. He's one of the best blokes in the game too. David, I think you'd back that up, the source. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He is one of the great, great, great men of the game. And on Newtown, Bossy, I'm with you. One of my life goals, this, my life goal, is to get onto the hill on the beer festival weekend of at Henson Park mm. and try and convince the editors of the Telegraph to give me the week, the Saturday off, and just get up onto that <laughs> Henson Park hill. Life goal. And have the time goal. of my life. Here's a little story, Bossy. Yeah. So my housemate from Port Macquarie used to play for the Newtown Jets, and they used to get me to ride the penny farthing around the the field when they scored a try. You rode it. Yeah, I rode it. You rode the penny farthing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> wow, your long legs would it suit it? <laughs> yeah, I need photo tough. proof. We need photo proof, James. That didn't happen unless there's photos. Yeah, we there'll be proof. some photos out there somewhere for sure. I, well, we need I to dig that up. I desperately want a reenactment of that. Now, <laughs> yeah. now um, the Wayne Bennett blast of Anthony Milford, you know, this, this, this was stinging. Like, this, this is most yeah. unusual. I mean, he, he beats to his own drum, Wayne Bennett, but. Yeah, this is a, cel- a week of celebration, isn't it, for the Dolphins? You'd like to think it's all positive, but Anthony Milford's the story. The bloke who's not there is the story. Yeah, Bossy, I'm with you, and I'm glad you've picked up on it because it's not really Wayne Bennett's style to harangue one of his key players out in the media. It's, it's a really different tactic um, from the wily old coach. And he has. He's, he's put it on Milford, basically de- declaring... The, the MILF needs to decide himself on whether he wants to be a rugby league player anymore. This is the week of round one. It's the week that they've had all summer and, 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 and Wayne's decided to come out the week of the inaugural match, history-making game, Dolphins v Roosters. He's dropped their, their key half and, as I said, just taken, taken him to task in, in, in the media. It, it's, a, it's a bizarre... Approached by Wayne, and I only come back to this. I believe it's a statement to the other players. That's what I, I feel. It's Wayne sending a message to what the Dolphins need to stand for as a club from day one. Uh, when we run out on, on on Sunday, this is what the, I want the Dolphins to be, and I don't care who you are, what your profile is. Uh, you, there's a bar that needs to be set, has been set, and you need to reach it. And that's the only thing I can draw from this uh, because it was it's it's pretty heavy as far as the sprays are concerned from a Wayne Bennett category. The the thing that confuses me about this, Dave, did did they not realise a month ago that Milford wasn't fit enough or that he was mm. a bit out of shape? Like, has this come as a surprise to the coaching staff? Like, surely they were tracking his progression through the whole off season. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear absolutely and. And then to go with young Isaiah Katoa, who's, who's a hugely talented uh, young player, obviously key signing from the Panthers. He couldn't get a run in front of Ivan Cleary, uh, sorry, Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. And, and, and now Wayne's throwing his back into the, to the young kid when ultimately Wayne did sign Milford. You know, mm. he is the one that signed him. And as you said, Michelle, when did they not pick up the signs that he wouldn't be ready? Uh, well, he was... He was he was he was average in the trial matches, and and why wouldn't he? Why isn't he ready for round one? It's as I said, the week of the first game uh, to be discussing this is is completely left field for for the Bennett that we know. 
Yeah, the quote in the Courier-Mail, or just one of the quotes of Wayne Bennett, the, re- the reality is where does Anthony want to be in 12 months' time? Does he want to be back on top of the game or in and out of the team like a yo-yo? He has to make a deliberate choice about where he wants to be. Time is running out. So, um, Anthony Milford, ball is very much in your court. And just on the Bulldogs, um, we've been talking mm. about it this morning, the loss of Luke Thompson. It's a big one because I, I do question yep. their depth. So, suddenly an unknown um, can get a chance. So here's the sliding doors yeah. moment. Jaden Tanner, is that the name we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about for the doggies? It is, Vossi, and, and you're right. That, that that concerns me too, just how quickly the dogs have had to go to their well as far as depth is concerned. And Jaden Tanner's uh, name has popped up onto the team sheet. He will play on the weekend. And, guys, I've got to say, he's got, he's got pretty good pedigree. Uh, Miss I'll be excited to hear this. He was in the same 2018 Australian schoolboys squad. Get this. He, uh, he travelled to the UK in the Australian schoolboys squad with Bradman Best, uh, Tom Dearden, uh, who else? Tessie New, Franklin Pele, Jason Saab, Tommy Talao, Star Tower, Bronson Cherry. He, uh, he's played all in that rep, that, uh, through the rep junior career as far as uh, teams are concerned. He's, He's done a pretty good job. He came through the Shark system. He was an SG ball for, uh, forward of the year down there. Moved over to Penrith. Uh, played through their lower grades and was picked up by the Dogs. Played in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final last year. Um, I, I expect to see a little bit from Tanner. I know it's a blow for Thompson, obviously. And considering the, the salary that he's on, that eats into your cap big time. Uh, but young Jaden Tanner, let's keep an eye on him because he's, he's got a pretty good pedigree. There you go. I think well, he's a big one. boss, uh, big body as well, Vossi, from what I saw. I think it was the Raiders trial. He looked like a big unit. Uh, Jaden Tanner. Super Coach so. Cheapy, hey? Super yeah. Coach Cheapy, Jaden Tanner. We're, we're playing in, we're right into our KFC Super Coach as well. So we're looking at these uh, new names, having to factor them in. Uh, David, uh, we've, we've given our top eight. You gave yours on Monday. So you were first cab off the rank. Uh, James Magnuson has mm. now given his. Now, here's what, some of the feedback. Morning, boys. Missile. About time someone on the SEN station has a sensible top eight. Doggies all the way. Uh, where did you have the dogs, David? Uh, I, I have the Bulldogs about 11th. I think vying for the eight, but not going to be quite good enough. What about you, David? Yeah, likewise. They don't make my eight. Um, again, and, and I think we're already starting to see the reason why. I just think they're... Uh, while the excitement and the anticipation of a positive season is is uh, is deserved, uh, given their recruitment and also the appointment of head coach Cameron Seraldo, I think they'll certainly move in an upward tra- trajectory. But top eight's too too big, much of a bridge to climb. I will consider them for my top eight next year, off the back of a couple more key signings. All right. Okay. David Riccio, we can follow all the stories as the news breaks on the Telegraph website throughout the day and then come tomorrow. Oh, we buzz with, because you're not on air before the first game, Melbourne Parramatta is as hard mm. as any game <laughs> yeah. over the entire first round. Who, who have you locked in as your tip? Well, well, to, surprisingly, gamble responsibly. The Eels are the outsiders here at home. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of obviously reasons for that with the Storm's incredible round one um, strike rate. Um but I'm going with Parramatta, guys. I think they can get it done. I like the look of their spine. I saw enough in Josh Hodgson through the trials uh, to suggest that he'll have a good year and, and combine well with Moses and Brown and Gutherson. And there's just too many injuries for the Melbourne Storm. Guys, a 1,000 games worth of NRL experience 
are gone from the Melbourne Storm, and I'm including the Bromwich Brothers, Kapusi, Pappenhausen, uh, Tui Kamakamisa. It's it's a huge clean out of the Storm at the moment, and I just find I think this might be the game that that incredible record uh, comes to an end. All right, David Riccio, thank you for that. Uh, predictions, everyone's having their opinion. You have had yours. Uh, we'll talk again later in the week. Thanks, boys. Go well. You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. This morning with James Magnuson. Jared Waitley is back from the Super Bowl, back from the cricket in India, and we got his thoughts on how the third test will unfold for Australia. And Buddy Franklin won't be playing every match this year at the Swans. Will he get through the season? So NRL season kicks off tomorrow night. The AFL, you could say, is two weeks uh, behind the NRL. So the, the AFL season doesn't kick off for two weeks. But there's still so much sport uh, to talk about. But we do want to touch on the AFL, and we'll do that with Jared Whateley, who's getting ready for his own program. It's been great that we've been able to go to Ian Smith this morning across the ditch on SENZ. Now we're off to Melbourne, where Jared Whateley is the star broadcaster of the station and he's back from Super Bowl and cricket commentary duties. Old junker, Jared. Uh, g'day, Jared. <laughs> Bossy, James, to great show. to be back with you. Yeah, ever ball boys? Uh, like, no, you don't have that. Like in the AFL, do, do kids get jobs helping out at the AFL? Does that, no. that anything to do? No, that's always been the tennis in Melbourne where one of the great rites of passage mm. through your school years was to find your way to the Australian Open uh, and when I was wow. a kid at, at Kooyong and then um, at Rod Laver to, to see if you could be part of that. And the, the celebrity that that held, uh, if someone at your school happened to be a, a, a ball kid at the Australian Open. Well, I wonder if they got pies and drinks like our listeners are telling <laughs> yes. us to be a ball boy in the rugby league. What about that, throwing up in the reserve grade game because you're eating too much pies? That's an amazing story. Now, SEN, the home of sport, you are back from India, um, but, but you've been there and you've done that, we could say. Is, is the car crash going to continue? I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, who could make a, a confident prediction of how things are going to open up in the third test today? I think there's a, a wild sense of pessimism around the country as we head towards Indoor. Uh, I, I understand it. I think the, the autopsy has been so severe. I actually think it's been disproportionate, notwithstanding that what happened on Morning 3 in Delhi was, was a disaster. It was a disaster of strategy and execution. And to hear Steve Smith uh, reflect that he, he's never sort of been more angry or aghast with himself having gone down on the knee to play the sweep to Ashwin and got out, and then the litany of players who suffered the same fate in the aftermath. So Australia's down 2-0. Typically in India, the tour gets harder the longer that a team is there. So at this stage, Australia either needed to be on level terms or in front. They played some really good cricket for two days in Delhi to try to draw on and build from there. But how are they going to be more accomplished this time around against Ashwin and Jadeja. Uh, I am the one thing I'm I am confused by is I'm shocked to hear it referred to as a dead rubber. It, it is no such thing as that. I mean, the fate of the series, the trophy can't be won, but the series isn't lost. And there is a world of difference between four nil and two two. And Australia's place in the World Test Championship is unsecured. And the only way to stay in control of their fate is to either draw or win a test match in India. Otherwise, they're going to be at the mercy and the vagaries of, of other results. So they had to make a stand in Delhi. I think they did for a while until they fell to their knees sweeping. Uh, this is a huge test of not only temperament and technique, but I actually think the team's pride and dignity 
goes on the line in this game. Who do you think will be named in the starting 11 for this test, Jared? Yeah, I think for the first time, this is quite straightforward. There's only one choice to make. So Head is going to open with Kawaja, which I quite like for the remainder of this series. Labashane, Smith and Hanscom's the middle order. And then Green is back. So Cam Green has so quickly become the linchpin of this team in the same way that Ben Stokes for so long was with, with England and Andrew Flintoff before that. The team only makes sense when Green is there because he provides the, the pace bowling option and the batting at six. So he returns as the all-rounder from injury. Carey's the keeper. Stark comes in for Cummins. Left arm swing, left arm reverse swing works in India. So I actually just bowler for bowler. I prefer Stark to Cummins in these conditions, I think. So Lyon places the front line spinner, and then there's the choice to play two more spinners. Um, Kuhneman is the, the sort of the last man in. So I think his place is to be decided uh, between him and Scott Boland. So Todd Murphy will play alongside Nathan Lyon, I think, and then we'll either go the third spinner, Kuhneman, or the third seamer in Boland. Right. Uh, now, I'm gonna, we like to play you're down to your last $10, uh, Jared. I often do this with Brandy. You're down to your last $10. Now, Steve Smith averages 67.33 with a bat when he has captained Australia. Yeah. You're down to your last 10. Are you going over or under scoring... Um, 67 uh, or more, scoring more than 67 in the first innings of the test as captain. Over. You're down to your last 10. Yeah, over, with confidence. Uh, and I might borrow another 10 to, to go all in <laughs> on him. So I think the combination of the disappointment that he expressed, and we know the perfectionist that he is, of what he missed uh, from a team and from an individual perspective in Delhi. So I think that plays... And then, yes, he gets these rare moments to captain again. And it, it does mean a lot to him. I think the first time he was the replacement captain, he was, for all the world, going to make a century in Adelaide against England and fell just short. I think this will appeal to the to the obsessive nature and the competitive spirit within him. And, uh, yeah, I th and Australia needs it. He, he remains their best batter, and I think he will feel that intensely. So I'm definitely on the overs. So 10 of your own and you're going to borrow 10. Gamble responsibly. Very nicely done. <laughs> um, the AFL, now, Buddy Franklin is off to a slow start for the Swans. Uh, we sent out our ace reporter, Charlie Goose, it was it, Charlie, along to the uh, Swans trial. He came back unimpressed with Buddy. And now yeah. we hear from John Longmire um, not going to play the full season. Um, what, what's your read on Buddy Franklin, Swans? Totally natural that at 36 years of age, this is about trying to have him in the best shape for the end of the year. So I think there's a, a few good examples out of out of Geelong's campaign last year and Joel Selwood, who was their veteran, as to how they nursed him through the season and quelled that competitive spirit that that burns in him a bit like Smith and just they, they managed him and, and he sat on the bench at starts of games and didn't play games that he was desperate to. I think that's totally natural. I don't want to see Franklin doing anything in trial games because that's that's wasted energy. He just needs to find a way to to be fit and in shape um, in the first month of the season, and then they should be picking they should be picking and choosing and hope that he can play maybe sixteen games across the course of the season and be be ready to be influential and decisive in a final series. So. This is the modern management of the of the great sportsmen. And I could give you, who could I give you? Jimmy Anderson, 
who at beyond 40 has just become the number one test bowler again in the world because they've kept him out of all white ball cricket for a long period of time. He doesn't play every test match. This is this is modern sport, and I think we would all hope that that Sydney is able to manage Franklin to another another great year. Is it a case by case scenario in AFL with the amount of running and games they play, or is it is it across the board that that older players uh, kind of can't play that full season? Because we saw Cameron Smith in the NRL play well into his late thirties every game of the year, plus Origin, plus finals, yeah. and had no dip in form right up to retirement. Yeah, so I think the paradigm has shifted in modern sport where early 30s is is late 20s now. So I think you're, you're talking mid to late 30s. And yes, in the, the AFL, the, the athletic part of it does play a big role. So I think more players are getting uh, are getting through their, to their mid 30s and and in better condition. And that, that's self-evident is that they will have spent their whole careers under the the modern guise of sports medicine. So the, the wear and tear should have been reduced across the years and there should be a benefit to that. I think sort of Roger Federer is the poster boy for that. So, yeah, is, but we're talking sort of right at the end. And Franklin is like he's he's in overtime now. He's signed this extra year to, to get beyond... The, con- the, the monster contract that he initially signed. So, yeah, is th- these are the rare players that get to this point and they're, a, they're such a cherished commodity to, to be managing. Now, we've been having our poll. Uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald, they've been sort of drip-feeding us results of the poll and bits and pieces. And the Pride Round came up again the other day. It's something I spoke to you about on your show, uh, Jared, on Tuesday. Um, and, and there's this massive division. And I, and I quoted to you, Nico Hines uh, from the Cronulla Sharks, what are we afraid of? Like, if, if I just say we should have um, inclusive every round of the competition. Mm-hmm. I don't think we even need a round. If we just, if the NRL just came in to, just, and all the clubs said we're just inclusive. We, we, we open the doors to everyone and you can feel at home going to the football. Is there the same division in the AFL as we're seeing from the recent polling of NRL club bosses? I think there would be, and th- this feels true across code. So the AFLW, which has a a very significant proportion of its players who are openly gay and has changed the Aussie rules environment uh, so much for the better, they have the pride round, and it it has it hasn't been without incident along the way. Is players who don't feel they can wear that Guernsey that that's that's true, that's real, and and that's played out. And, you know, we've even sort of had a, a coach be a little bit dismissive of it, which uh, which rankled. So for, for a concept that is supposed to be inclusive, it, it is divisive. And we've seen that in the NBL. Um, most re- I think the A-League pulled it off pretty well on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you have to weigh up. The, will this actually fulfill the ambition of what you're trying to achieve? Because if it becomes divisive and there's elements that are that that remain so then it's self-defeating i think so that's the i think that's the challenge that each code faces you shouldn't stumble into it you should know your you should know your landscape exactly if you are going to to try to do it successfully yeah that's where we're at at the moment i i look (laughs) I, I, have we made any progress? Um, the poll results sort of suggest... No, I don't know whether we have. James, your, your thoughts? I mean, um, I, I'm just saying that 
do we need a round to identify this one round in the season? I, I say no. I'm just saying we do it across the board each and every round, James. Yeah, it's Might a curly one. Look, unrealistic? I, I think I'm for it. Um, we've we've had world pride um, here in Sydney this past almost month now, Vossi. And it's been celebrated universally. So I can't see why we can't have a pride round. Um, it's... It's a little bit concerning that it still is remains divisive, and there's there's two sides to this at, at, in 2023. Uh, it sometimes surprises me, I guess, based off the circles that I mix in. I've I've never seen any opposition to it, but when you put it to a vote like that, and those are the results that comes back, it it does. It becomes divisive. And the idea of respect round, which is uh, what Andrew Webster wrote about the other day, it's just ticking a box. It, it, yeah, it doesn't it mean anything. Stand for anything. It, no. It's just it's just ticking a box to say we're doing a round of sorts. Jared, we better let you go and get ready for your program. I'm sure you're going to take uh, plenty of calls on all things uh, cricket in particular. Mm. So have a great uh, great Wednesday. Terrific. Enjoy the start of your NRL season. And, and I'll see if I can rustle up another ten dollars. So you can have thirty on Steve Smith scoring <laughs> more than sixty-seven in the first innings. We'll just we'll just let it ride. Well done, Jared Waitley.